2: Traditional March is 365. I'm your host Andy Katz. Well the July evaluation period and recruiting is over. A lot of teams though are taking trips in August. They're conducting some of those practices the latter part of this month. Only a couple days left as you're listening. As we get into August, some of them are going off the rest of this week, they're heading off overseas, some to Canada, some to the Bahamas. Uh, Kentucky is going to the Bahamas. Duke's going to Canada. Uh, You've got a number of teams that we've documented at NCAA.com in terms of their trips. Uh, Even a humanitarian mission by Wright State uh, heading down to the Dominican. They were originally going to go to Haiti, but they're off to the Dominican. Check that story out at NCAA.com. Just a little bit of a teaser, but uh, we're hopeful and planning in late August to have a podcast with Duke head coach Mike Krzyzewski week after North Carolina head coach Roy Williams so just file that away for later in the month of August we should hear from obviously two Hall of Famers on Tobacco Road Uh, on this edition of our podcast going to be joined by Clemson's Brad Brunel it's got a new six-year deal as the Tigers went to the Sweet 16 this past March and Laval Jordan of Butler continuing the Butler way as uh, the Bulldogs made the NCAA Tournament yet again. Close lost in the round of 32 to Purdue. Uh, They should be a factor. There's no question about that in the Big East yet again. Clemson, I think, will be somewhere uh, in the upper tier of the ACC and NCAA Tournament team again. So a couple teams that were in the NCAA Tournament last year, I think, will both be back again. If not, Butler will be right there on the bubble as they've been, but yet can certainly cross that finish line. So couple of guys that I think have some interesting uh, stories in terms of their paths uh, to where they are right now and establishing these programs. Jordan, a former player at Butler, former assistant, uh, went to uh, Michigan as a top assistant to John Beeline, got a head coaching job in Milwaukee for one season, then off to Butler over this past year. Brad Brunel, I think, is a great example of an administration backing him through a little bit of twists twists and turns, and it has paid off. With great success this past season for Clemson. They got to the Sweet 16, now he's got an extension. So, two good interviews, I think, for you on this edition of March Madness 365. And now, joining me here on March Madness 365, Butler head coach Laval Jordan. Uh, Laval, let's go back a little and go big picture. You were only at Milwaukee for one year before you got the head coaching job at Butler. And when the call came, because it was late, uh, with Chris Holtman going from Butler to Ohio State, ends up happening in June, uh, I would think this was a no-brainer. Your record in one season in Milwaukee was completely irrelevant because you were one of their own in terms of being, you know, uh, your your long history dealing with the Butler program. You know all about uh, the Butler way, playing there, an assistant there. Uh, So let me go back first to when you got that phone call uh, after just one season in Milwaukee, what was your reaction?
0: Uh, it was an excitement, you know. My uh, obviously me coming back home in a lot of ways, uh, but my wife's also from Indianapolis, and so yeah, you know, she was really excited to uh, to move back to Indy, and um, you know, her parent, her mom is here, and dad, uh, family is here, and and so uh, for my kids to be around family. Uh, was was important and we had my parents in Milwaukee or my mom and my mom's side of the family so there was a lot to it uh, to coming back and obviously you know leading the program where you played is uh, is unique um, you know there's there's coaches out there that have been in that situation or in that situation currently but uh, it doesn't happen all the time and so you know it was a it was a blessing uh, and there's definitely an excitement to it. So, um, you know, it didn't take long to say yes, Let's say, <laughs> for sure.
2: You know, so this is a tough call because obviously Milwaukee was the place that gave you your first head coaching job. So not that it was you know, an olive branch or anything because you'd earned it. You'd been obviously a top assistant in multiple stops. Uh, great success, you know, during your time uh, in your six years at Michigan under John Beeline. You were at Iowa under Todd Licklider, who was a former Butler coach. Um, how do you handle that situation for coaches that may have to go through something similar where you get sort of a dream opportunity and you have to say to the place that just hired you after just one season, I gotta go. This is too big. You know, I, I gotta take this other job.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's the difficult part of um I think this this profession is especially with the the relationships you build with the with the young men and, and uh the, with the players. And so yeah, you know, we were excited about what was happening in Milwaukee, year two coming up. We had a lot returning. Uh and it's tough to you know it's tough to, to tell those guys, you know, hey, I'm I'm leaving, uh, and, and kind of leaving them there to wonder, you know, who's going to be the next coach and how's this all going to play out. Uh, so, and that part's difficult. Uh, you got a staff, uh, you know, that that's with you, and you you know, you're trying to figure out you know, how much uh, carryover you can get from one set staff to the next, and and uh, sometimes you know it doesn't fit for everybody to to come along. Um, so, those things are, are, are very difficult things to handle and difficult decisions to make and and it's tough Uh, but then on the other side of it there's again there's there's an excitement for the next opportunity and the next step Uh, and for us you know that this was an exciting step to take
2: you know also just to wrap up the Milwaukee piece you know what I think is great and this is what I hope more athletic directors will do and should do is that you're always looking for fit regardless of record were you ever concerned you know, because it was just one year and you had a sub 500 record, you know, would Barry Collier, you know, even think twice about me as the next guy? And I know he had to act quickly because it was in June, but you were the right fit. You were the right guy. Did you ever have any thoughts about, ooh, you know, we didn't have the greatest year because it was one year and we were up under 500 and all that? Did that ever enter your mind?
0: Not necessarily. I know, uh, you know, we finished strong at, at Milwaukee, making it to the uh, Conference Tournament Championship game. And, uh, you know, I thought we had a shot to win that. And it was, like I said, there was an exciting finish and, and excitement about the future. But, no, I think Barry, you know, has has done a great job over the course of a couple changes here at Butler of of finding that fit in terms of first-time head coach and Brad Stevens and uh, Brandon Miller and, and obviously Chris Holtman from within, uh, who at that time, you know, had, had proven himself at, at Gardner Webb and and Barry knows Butler. Uh, I played for Barry. You know, I came to Butler when Barry was the head coach, and and so he's um, he's got a tremendous feel for for what this place needs. I think all of our sports are continuing to improve in the Big East, and we've made a jump as an athletic department uh, from where we when we started five years ago in this league. Uh, so he's done a great job, and I just wanted to put my best foot forward because, you know, I'm passionate about this program and uh, obviously have invested in it as a player and as an assistant coach and was looking forward to having a chance to run the program as a head coach.
2: You know, I talked to Chris about this. uh, Whenever you're the new coach, especially when you come in late and you get a win, that's a pretty significant one. You know, there's always that sort of credibility factor. Uh, And I'm just curious, uh, on, on December 30th, uh, they were the number one team in the country. Uh, after you knocked off Villanova 101 to 93, how much did that, you know, not that you needed it, but how much did that validate for you? Anyone saying, okay, you know, he's now taking over this program, even though he's been a head coach for a year, um, you know, and now he's got that win that shows, okay. Yes, he can handle all this.
0: Yeah, you know the way I saw it, Andy is um, it. It just continues to validate Butler and and how we've done things here for a long time. uh, Because you know, trust me, I wasn't. I'm not the one that came in and hey, had all these different things that you know, I wanted to do the, the, than what we've done in the past. Uh, I mean, we just went out and played Butler basketball and I thought our guys uh, responded well to, you know, the, all the hype coming into that game. Uh, but it was more, hey, let's just stick to our principles and, and do what we do and and keep doing what's got us to, to where Butler is now. And, and guys executed and, and obviously making some shots helps. But you know, it wasn't really about me invalidating if, uh, you know, I guess I didn't, you know, screw it up. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but it's just, you know, like I said, having a familiarity with uh, what's been, what's gone on here as a player and, and as an assistant coach and, and knowing, um, you know, what Butler basketball has been about and, and staying true to that. Um, and so, you know, we just got to continue that from uh, all of our staff and, and the players that we have here now in, in recruiting.
2: What I loved about, you know, sort of observing your season from afar last year was the resiliency in this group because, as you know, uh, this Big East, this reformat of Big East, there's no bad teams. Uh, you know, going on a losing skid is not unheard of. You know, you had the three in a row, then you reel off, uh, what, five or six, then the three in a row, then you win two in a row. And then you have a tough road swing where you lose two in a row, including a double overtime to St. John's on the road, come back, you squeeze one out against Seton Hall. And even though you lose to Villanova and that Seton Hall is the, in the tournament, in the tournament, in the big East tournament in New York, you're turned right back around with a, you know, you handle Arkansas in the first round and then you almost get by Purdue to get to the sweet 16. Um, how would you define sort of the way in which last season's team was so resilient, even when there were obstacles?
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's the perfect word, you know, for that group. Um, you know, they were, they were resilient. You know, we weren't you – know, we were down. You know, you go all the way back to Portland, and uh, we had a, a come-from-behind win where we were down 15 against Ohio State with like three and a half minutes to go and, and somehow fought our way back in and got it to overtime and won it. Uh, and so we had, they had that to draw on, you know, when we got into – the teeth of the Big East, and and lost a couple, and um, you know we had good great senior leadership with Keelan Martin, Tyler Weidman, uh, those guys had been through a, a ton as seniors. You know, coaching change, coaching changes. Uh, they, they had seen some ups and some downs, and uh, they were steady, and, and so they kept us you know uh, focused as as a group on the whole, and and um, you know we were finding our way for for a lot of it, and, and guys emerged in different roles, and you know, Henry Badley stepped up, Sean McDermott came back, and and fought his way back in the lineup and, and had, was a heavy contributor. Kamar Baldwin's role changed. And so there was a, there was plenty of that happening, you know, up until middle of January where we kind of figured some things out.
2: What was it like for you to, to watch from afar? Here you are a player uh, at Butler, an assistant at Butler, and then you leave during the time that they go to back-to-back national championship games. Um what was that like to, to watch the growth of this program, a program that you had really contributed so much to prior to that, reach those pinnacles?
0: That was awesome. Yeah, it, it was awesome. I think, um, you know, first and foremost, you're, you, you're, you're a bulldog. You know, once you come here, uh, you play here or coach here even, uh, wherever you go, if you go somewhere afterwards, um, you know, you continue to root for uh, for, for the program. To do the things that you felt like it could do, and that was the that was the beautiful part about it. Is you know everybody says it, but when we were playing here, you thought you know if we do things our way, you know there's no limits on what can be accomplished. And um, just to see the consistency continue uh, with Coach Licklider and, and Brad taking over, and and uh, see those guys buy into doing it uh, that the the way we do things here, and um, and have that type of you know success on that stage. You know, it was it was great. I mean, we were all back, you know, a bunch of former players at both uh, both Final Fours, and you know, just as fans and and supporters as much as anything.
2: So, I mean, when you were there, and they've gone through, well, I don't know, maybe it's four leagues since then. Uh, I think they were in the MCC when you were a player, um, which was the Midwestern Collegiate Conference, which I think predated the Horizon League.
0: You're right. You got. You're on it.
2: All right. So. <laughs> Cause I remember all these different maturations of these, you know, there was, there was, you know, all these things that sort of used to be something like Conference USA and different people split off the different leagues and all that. But back then, in the late 90s, uh, to the early 2000s, um, what did you think was, po- I, I know you said you thought this was possible, but Butler wasn't in that kind of a league then. I mean, how, how realistic did you think that Butler would be playing in a league that was considered, you know, one of the power leagues the way it is today?
0: Yeah, that, that uh, you know, I, I don't know if you thought that at the time in terms of the conference changes and realignments and, and where, um, you know, where, where we would end up there. I think, you know, what we all thought during that time, there was just such a heavy belief in how we did things, uh, how we play and how connected and buying into you know our values and 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 Butler basketball. That if we do that, we can beat anybody, anytime, anywhere. And, and you know there was a, maybe some validation. Uh, we lost a really really close. This was 2000 uh, to Florida, and Florida went on to compete for a national title that year. With uh, I think they lost to uh, Michigan State, maybe. Yep.
2: That's And
0: right. um, and so yeah, I think that was kind of the springboard of. You know, validation that we were right there with the team that played for a national title. Why can't we be that, be the team that, be the program um, that can do that? You know, we believe in what we do now. Uh, I think the leadership from Barry to Thad, Mata, you know, to the Coach Licklider was that, you know, and a few Sweet 16s later, Brad takes over. And so there was just a healthy... You know, belief in, in how we did it, uh, regardless of the you know, league at the time. It was just we know if we do what we do, we can play with you know with anybody. And now you're on that conf- in the conference like a Big East, which I think is the best in the country, where you get tested every night <laughs> to see if if you can do it. If you can do it in this conference, once you get to the NCAA tournament, you know now you got a chance. And so there's validation every every night in conference play. If you can beat teams in the Big East, you know you can beat anybody.
2: If you could go back and talk to that Laval Jordan, the one that was playing on that 2000 team, about what you've learned about the game uh, in the last, you know, 18 years, what would you tell that Laval Jordan?
0: Yeah, you know, it, it was uh, to just stay solid is is good enough. I think we, and uh, and the team, you know, a, a part of what makes Butler Butler and you know, it's a a uh, team mentality. And so, you know, they had the Mike Miller and Udonis Haslam and, you know, on that team back then. And, and uh, we you're were, we were right there with them, a bunch of NBA players that are in you know, a great program with Florida. Um, and so I think the, the belief in doing things a certain way and truly buying into it and giving up, you know, more, you'll get more out of it. And um, I think that's been the, like I said, the thing that you're proud of as a former player, the thing that you're proud to continue as the head coach is that that mindset of, you know, uh, the team mentality, giving up more than you can get, and and the success comes with it, and uh, if you just buy in. And so, you know, that's the part that you know people call the you know the the Butler way. Uh, obviously, there's offense and defense and plays that we run, uh, but the mentality and the belief in and in, in the values. Is something that sticks with you when you come through this program.
2: So when a recruit comes in, I mean, everyone has heard of the Butler way. Do you uh, wait for them to sort of absorb it like a sponge or do you literally lay it out for them when the newcomer arrives or even maybe before that process of, okay, this is exactly what we mean by that phrase, that motto. And here's what we expect of you to make sure that you adhere to it.
0: Yeah, I think – you know, by the time they, they're signed and, and come in here, they're, they're, they're educated. Uh, and, and, you know, if we've done our jobs as a staff, you know, we've, we've done our intel to to just try to ensure that, you know, that the fit is there. Um, and, you know, do, do you get them all right? And not absolutely every time, but as best you can within the recruiting process, we're having that conversation to make sure. And Obviously, there's a talent piece to it, but then there's also the culture that you're protecting because you've seen it over and over and over and over again. And so, um, yeah, I think by the time guys get here, they know. And then it's all our our players that are here that have lived it for however long they've been here to continue to bring those guys along. You know, because uh, there's challenges you go through when you're a newcomer, and there's ups and there's downs. Uh, so for those teammates to, to start leading and, and and getting those guys to – To fully buy into it.
2: What did you take from your years at John Beeline that you're using now?
0: Our coach was tremendous. Obviously, he gets so much credit for being so innovative uh, offensively, especially. Uh, And his mind is is it's amazing how uh, his mind the wheels are always turning in terms of new new creative ways to to get spacing, to get movement, to get guys in positions. Uh, yeah, he's one of the best, uh, if not the best, certainly, you know, one of the best I've ever been around. But I think him always having been a head coach really had an impact on me. Uh, he'd never been an assistant, always been a head coach. So just the day-to-day way that he runs a program, the way he communicated with us as a staff and uh, with the administration and, you know, just being able to pick his brain and ask questions observe constantly how to win a program, you know, helped me get more ready to be in position, you know, once an opportunity came along to do that. So I, uh, I, I'm all, obviously always indebted to coach. I, I think hopefully uh, I contributed, you know, to, in, in, a, in a lot of ways to uh, – we made each other better. So he's a great mentor and I can pick up the phone and call him anytime and that's, that's great to know.
2: How often do you do that here and
0: there, <laughs> here and there, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, it's, it's year three for me coming up. So there's a lot that I don't have figured out and I'll admit that. And so, like I said, he's always been in that seat and been in that chair and he, he figured it out, you know, a long time ago. And I think the thing that, you know, everybody would appreciate about the John B line is, as, as much experience as he has, he is as, open to learning as anybody I've ever been around. And so that was the fun part as an assistant is being able to share ideas. Uh, not, and actually he has staples that he believes in, but there was a lot of open sharing and communication about how, how to get better. And so he's, you know, he's always available.
2: All right, before I let you go, let's look quickly at this team. Kamar Baldwin continues to get better, 10 points to 15. Assists are up. You know, turnovers a, little, a hair up, but you would expect that because he's handling the ball even more. Minutes up, eight minutes a game overall from freshman to sophomore. How close is he to becoming now as a junior that star guy, that first team All Big East kind of guy that you know could compete for Big East Player of the Year and really continue to keep this program at the level that you guys have been at?
0: Yeah, I think the you know the um, the thing that you love about Kamars, he's an unbelievable young man uh he is so coachable um so open to to listening and uh he just wants the team to win and he wants to be as good as he can be and and you know there's been obviously more than glimpses about how good he can be and you know he's changed his body this off season. he's added some weight uh he's, he's bought into the strength and conditioning piece of uh being a better player and um you know i'm hearing his voice more he's, he's He's going to be a junior now, so he's one of those upperclassmen, like I was referencing earlier, that is, that is charged to teach some of these younger guys. Um, you know, I was proud of him last year, Andy, just for his development with the ball in his hands. He had 111 assists, and, um, you know, he was, he was, it was put on him. You know, I thought our best chance was going to be for Kamara to, to be able to develop as a point guard, and, um, and he did a great job. Now watching him this, this spring and summer, um, just a lot more comfortable in that role. Um, and so, you know, the sky's the limit for Kamar. You know, he's a he's a talent. Athletically, he's got length, he's got skill, uh, and he's got the mentality. Uh, and I think, you know, he's embracing just being the best player he can be. And, and I think everybody around here believes, you know, Kamar can be great.
2: And as you get ready for, you know, the fall to open here sooner than later, uh, what are your biggest question marks that you hope will be solved uh, in the early part of practice, is when you guys get going late September.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, it's uh, you know, when you lose Keelan Martin, who's second all time leading scorer in the program history, you know, the first question is right, how are we gonna score with how are we gonna score points with Keelan gone. Uh, but then he was he Keelan grew as a defender, and he also had seventy assists. So you know somebody somebody else has to emerge to be able to to make some shots, but also you know to make some uh, decisions with the ball. And then you lose Tyler Wyman, and so there's a there's a defensive hole because Tyler was such a pillar in terms of our our defensive anchor uh, and the way he could communicate and holding his ground in the post. And so you know, for opportunity for a guy like Joey Brunk to uh, to step up as a as a redshirt sophomore now. Um, so I'll be, I'm excited to see you know what what some other guys do, or Sean McDermott and Paul Jorgensen. Uh, Henry Badley you know grew last year uh, some of our younger guys Christian David Gerald Butler uh, that didn't play as much but have had really good off seasons you know, I'm excited to see what those guys do with the, with the opportunity you know to step in where where we had a couple key figures you know
2: leaving well and as always you guys you know historically have always played a very difficult non-conference schedule the Big East as I said is brutal um, so I mean uh, you know clearly this team will get tested the way Butler teams always do before you even get into the Big East.
0: Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, I'm excited about the non-conference portion of it. You know, we've got really, really good opponents uh, from Miami, Ohio to you know, St. Louis. At St. Louis, uh, it'll be a tough one. And Brown and Northern Illinois, but then also you throw in an SEC team, an Old Miss coming here, and we go to Florida uh, at battle Florida, for
2: Atlantis, which, uh, you got which is a
0: hard one. And the battle for Atlantis is always. Yeah, one of the best uh, preseason events you can you can test yourself in. So, we'll have our hands full right now. I'm I'll be looking to, I'll be worried about Tiffin on October 28th, yes, yes, and <laughs> that'll be about it. And try to be as good as we can be then.
2: Well, Val, appreciate it and uh, taking some time. And I know I look forward to seeing you throughout the course of the season. Hey, Andy, I appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. Coming up next on March Madness 365, Clemson head coach Brad Brunel. Now joining me here on March Madness 365, Clemson head coach Brad Burnell, fresh off a six-year contract extension. Uh, All it took was belief, some patience, Sweet 16 last season, uh, and clearly, as I think all of us that really were watching your program knew, things were going in the right direction. Uh, What did that mean to you to see that kind of support that you've had the last couple of years? and then see it be rewarded with this latest contract extension.
1: Yeah, it's very rewarding for us. Uh, felt like we were close a couple times. Uh, and then last year, we certainly able to break through. Had a great group of seniors. Grant, uh, Gabe DeVoe, Dante Grantham, Mark Donnell, I think really just uh, tremendous leadership. Uh, certainly talented players, but uh, tremendous leadership that helped. And, uh, you know, thankful that administration, you know, gave us probably an extra year Uh you know, it was only our second year in our new facility, and uh, we we'd had to suffer for for some probably twenty to twenty two months uh, being without a facility, and you know, different types of locker rooms and practices, and and sharing gyms with three and four teams. It was it was tough tough couple of years, but uh, we weathered the storm and then had a, a certainly an outstanding season last year going to Sweet 16 and, and doing well in the ACC.
2: You know, Brad, for those that don't fully grasp that, because we've seen that this past season, and some works out and it's easier than others, like Houston. You only had to go down the street to Texas Southern and Cincinnati. Uh, had a really veteran group and just went over the bridge essentially to Northern Kentucky, whereas Northwestern, it really did affect them last season after they had such a great year the year before breaking through, getting in the tournament, and then they got a ship off to the All-State Arena out by O'Hare. It really kind of burst the bubble of their home court advantage. So it can go either way. I mean, how would you say it affected you guys to have to deal with that a couple of years ago?
1: You know, we did a good job. We, we, we played our games in Greenville uh, and we really had good crowds. So from the standpoint of support, I I thought we did pretty well. But just the day-to-day, not being in your own building, um, your players having makeshift locker rooms and, and training facilities and video rooms that you're sharing. yeah, And, and, and it just a lot of wear and tear. And then not, not having as, as much access to a gym to be able to come in and work out at night, to, to be practicing at all different kinds of times and to lose routine. Uh, it, it was really hard. And then, you know, in recruiting for 20 to 22 months to not really have a facility to show anybody, uh, that was hard as well. So, yeah, it it can be very difficult. It's, uh, you know, certainly really challenging for the staff and players. Uh, Obviously, at the same time, it's really rewarding when you get done and you have a beautiful facility like we do. And you've got nice renovated locker rooms and lounges and a great practice facility and and so certainly we feel like our program's on an uptick, and, and it's, it culminated last year with that Sweet 16 run, and we hope to build on it now.
2: You know, the other thing, Brad, is I think you're a great example of an administration believing in someone who's the right guy, and there are going to naturally be ups and downs, um, and you just got to sort of weather them if you believe in someone. Uh, and clearly I think that was the right call with you. I mean, how much did you feel even through some of the turbulent waters that weren't that turbulent, but just some of the ups and downs, uh, that you always had, you know, that someone always had your back that you didn't have to look over your shoulder.
1: Yeah, I'm very fortunate. Uh, my athletic director, Dan Radakovich is not the guy that hired me,
2: uh, but he's been extremely
1: supportive. Uh, we've worked, uh, really well together arm in arm to help build this facility and renovate the Coliseum and, and raise a bunch of money and and i think through that um because he's been so involved he'd seen our program from the inside out uh he knew we were graduating players that you know we really were winning at a decent level we were doing pretty well in our league we were just you know falling a game or two short in terms of making an ncaa tournament bid and so because of that and because it was the second year in the new facility for sure i think he wanted to give me a little bit of extra time and give me an extra opportunity and uh, I think he thought we both thought that even though most people on the outside didn't really think our team was going to be that good this year because we did lose a couple of good players, I think those of us on the inside knew that we had some some pretty good players returning and uh we had experience and uh a lot of excitement within our program and so we thought we would have a chance to have a have a really good season, and we 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 certainly did so but you you're you're right andy a lot of a lot of administrators don't want to be patient. Uh, and I'm very grateful that, that Dan Dan Radakovich and our president, Jim Clements, really gave me a, a little bit more time.
2: You know, the other thing about the ACC is as unforgiving as it is, it also, on the flip side, there's always opportunities. And that's why I never believe that a program has to stay toward the bottom of, that, of the ACC, that you can cycle back up because you're constantly going to get opportunities to get quality wins that, you know, uh, outside of maybe the the Power Five or maybe six, you don't get. And so, how much do you think that has played in, in you know, when when you can knock off, you know, the big names, whether it's you know uh, a Duke or a Carolina uh, at home, not in Chapel Hill, but you know, <laughs> we're still waiting for that one, uh, but that's been decades. Um, you know, that 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 can be those signature wins that can get you over the hump and, and show that your your fan base and your players. That you guys can compete, you know, toward the top of the league.
1: Yeah, I think that's certainly a good point. I think there are certainly are opportunities in our league for significant wins, no question about it. You're kind of uh, juggling the the competitiveness of it day in and day out because the one thing I, I tell people all the time is, and that is the most challenging part about the league is your team can play really well in games and lose, and that's not easy to overcome. And then sometimes you you play well and lose, and then you got an extremely difficult road game to follow uh and so it can it can go against you but at the same time if you do start to play well or, and play well in a couple couple weeks you have a chance to have two three monster wins as well two years ago when we were really close to getting a bid we beat three top 15 teams in a week uh and that was actually in greenville and uh you know, we, we got really hot for a, a short amount of time. So it's it works against you sometimes. Sometimes it works in your favor, but there certainly are opportunities to, to play well and, and have significant wins.
2: You know, the other great thing of when you know your program has turned that corner is, you know, I was talking about Howland and Mississippi State, and they were, they were close last year the way you guys were two years ago in the NIT, and they feel like, you know, they got everyone back. Now they can make the turn in the corner. And when we talked about his schedule, he's like, we got Clemson. You know, like, that's a big game, neutral court, for them to have that'll help upgrade their schedule. Um, You know, in in terms of that for you, and you've been at all levels, what does that mean to you when when now the Clemson game means something for that opponent?
1: Yeah, you know, we we dealt with that last year. Uh, We had some terrific non-conference wins. We won down in Florida. We won at Ohio State, Uh, you know, when they— they did the first uh look at the tournament i think it was in early february the first week of february we were you know a predicted four seed or right, whatnot top when the 16 committee came out and so you kind of played the last four to five weeks of the season almost with a small target on your back and so certainly i think it speaks to the the program moving in the right direction i think it, it speaks to the kind of players we've been able to recruit and and certainly I feel like we're building some momentum. And, you know, obviously we we signed up to play Mississippi State because we think those guys are a top 50 program. They're a program that's like us, that's that's building, that's 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 gaining momentum and traction. And, you know, we, we both feel like, you know, come March, that'll look like a signature win if we could both get one.
2: What else do you have on tap outside of the challenges? Uh,
1: we've got Nebraska, who I think, you know, again, looks like a top 50 team out of the Big Ten. We're playing those guys at home. Uh, so that'll be a big game in the acc big 10 challenge we obviously have a rivalry game every year against south carolina i think frank's team will be improved and uh that's always a war for us but we got to go to columbia this year for that one uh and then we're in a a, a nice exempt tournament down in the cayman Islands. so uh once again we've we've put together a pretty good little schedule
2: and you have essentially you know your sort of your wing backcourt returning uh what have you seen here uh, in the you know in the off season when you guys have been able to work out in terms of the growth and the leadership from those guys,
1: yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Shelton Mitchell, and Marquise Reed are two uh, you know starting backcourt guys. were certainly good players last year and, and will be talented this year. But they've got to they've got to take a, a step in terms of being leaders. I think Gabe Devoe and Dante Grantham were certainly the leaders and kind of the voice of of last year's team, uh, the voice in the locker room. And uh, they're both a little bit quieter. Uh, we do have Elijah Thomas, who is kind of an emotional guy and an emotional uh, guy who will provide spirit to our team. Uh, so hopefully that will work together well. Sh- Shelton's pretty calm and poised, and Marquise is kind of a quiet competitor. And so together we hope that those three guys will, will turn into really good leaders uh, and be able to feed off one another. But I think that's really important because there are so many ups and downs and highs and lows in a season, especially when you play in a league. is as demanding as the ACC, and, and for two and a half months, you're just going to go through the grinder. You're going to experience a little bit of everything, and so you, you need your guys uh, with some experience to kind of help coach up and, and, and keep the younger guys focused on what we're trying to get done.
2: And, 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 Brad, I thought also the fact that you could survive a loss of someone as important as Grantham and still make, not just make the tournament, but get to the Sweet 16, I think that also shows – you know, the depth of the program, the experience, and the ability to be resilient, uh, which is just another level that this program has taken.
1: Yeah, I think that was significant as well, Andy. I appreciate it. Yeah, Dante Grantham was having a monster season. He was an you know, all-ACC player and, and obviously in the 19th game of the year towards ACL, and, you know, unfortunately that ended his ended his career at Clemson, a guy who uh, just think the world of and a really positive guy. He was an unbelievable Uh, leader even while he was hurt and really helped our team and our spirit of our team Uh, but that's obviously a big talent drop i thought amir sims and david scar both came in and filled in admirably for for uh for dante and amir's a guy who's going to have to have a a big year for us this year he's gonna have to step up and uh provide a little bit more scoring consistency i think he will he's really continued to work on his three-point shooting and Uh, The other guys, Gabe DeVoe, was a guy that stepped up and made a bunch of shots when when Dante went down. So uh, Marquise and Elijah Shelton, they're going to get a few more touches this year, chances to make plays. And uh, we look for those guys to to play well together.
2: And is the feeling around the program that what you did last season is certainly more than uh, possible again to repeat?
1: Yeah, I think we're confident. uh, But I I also know, uh, having been in this league eight years now, how challenging it is. Sometimes the hardest thing is just to get to the tournament. If you can get to the tournament, good things can happen.
2: then it's a lot about
1: matchups. Yeah, absolutely. And you've seen that a lot in our teams in the middle of our league. And, you know, Florida State and Syracuse both did well last year. And, and, uh, you know, they both finished in the middle of the ACC and went to Elite 8s and uh, Sweet 16s and things of that nature. So uh, I do think that sometimes the hardest part is is to go through the grind of the league and survive it and be standing there. 10 and 8 you know uh, with a chance to get into the tournament but uh, we we feel good about our team we feel like we have good players coming back hopefully going to build on some of the experiences of last season and just, I think uh, there's a lot of leadership holes that we got to fill with our senior class this year.
2: And last thing, Brad, obviously with football season approaching, uh, you know, over the last I don't know the exact years, but let's say the last five years that the Clemson football program under Dabo Sweeney has really skyrocketed. Obviously, winning national championship, competing for the national championship. In what way has your program? benefited over the last five years with the national rise or reemergence of this Clemson football program and competing for national championships on the gridiron
1: yeah I don't think it's just been our program I think it's been a university as a whole I think just the the national exposure and the media exposure that comes with playing for national championships in football and for for coach Sweeney winning ACC championships and being on the big stage as much as they are has really helped everybody at our university. And, uh, it's, it's certainly helped us from the standpoint we go to different places now and folks already have an idea uh, about Clemson, that that it's in South Carolina. They know a little bit more about it. They've, they've seen the brand. They've heard, uh, seen great athletes go there and do well uh know that you can compete they see the the support that our fans give uh the football program and know that it's it's out there for basketball as well so uh, i think it's really helped uh market our whole school uh our school's really uh it's on it's on fire right now uh admissions are, are way up you know uh scores and financing is is, is good boosters are, are, are certainly giving plenty of money and and uh You know, we're selling a bunch of tickets in all kinds of sports. We've had a lot of success in a lot of different sports, a lot of teams making NCAA tournaments and advancing and doing well. So it's never been a better time to be a Tiger, and and as Dabo likes to say, the best is yet to come.
2: I'll tell you, even across the street from me here in Connecticut, uh, my neighbor goes to Clemson. I've seen a lot of Clemson flags in the Northeast. Uh, It's definitely become a much more popular school uh, in the Northeast, and I'm sure across the country as well. It's a great place, Andy. Hope to see you down here this season, brother. All right. Thanks, Brad. All right, my man. You can listen to March Madness 365 at NCAA.com or subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts. And please be sure to leave us a rating and review while you're there. And you can always find us on Google Home and Amazon Alexa. Just say, hey, Alexa, or hey, Google. Play the March Madness 365 podcast. I'm Andy Katz. Thanks for listening.